I hope you guys had a great time with family. I hope more importantly than having a great time with family, I hope that you had your heart turned towards the Lord. I hope that you had your affection stirred for the Lord throughout uh, Christmas. I saw um, our media director Peyton shared something on Instagram. It was a picture of a wreath and a picture of the crown of thorns. And it said uh, the season and the cause for the season or something like that. And it was, it was really moving to me personally. It was really great. Uh, cool little update before we get into the word. Just so you guys know, we've been um, practicing generosity and giving and being charitable especially in this season of Christmas. And we were doing that through two primary initiatives of Give a Goat and Give a Coat. Um, I haven't heard back the tallies yet on how many goats we will have bought, but from what I heard before we even closed it, I think we're going to be sending a truck of goats overseas. You guys have been incredibly generous. Um, And so praise God for that. Um, Then when we talk about giving coats to those in our community who are in need, We have given, uh, I believe, over 175 coats. So you guys are awesome. Praise God for uh, being obedient to the the Lord moving on you to be generous. And it's not just so we can do our Christmas checklist where we're going, let's do good things and give things away during Christmas season, but that we have a heart of generosity born in us through the Holy Spirit by the grace of God that when God changes our hearts with his overwhelming generosity in our lives, that we can't help but live generously as well and and in many ways. So thank you guys so much for responding. We're making an impact. There are going to be many families overseas and impoverished countries who are going to have their needs met by us simply choosing to go, I can give 80 bucks to buy a goat for a family on the other side of the world. Um, And there are people here in our community who are going to have nice, big, warm coats, which Wisconsinites, we need that. Amen. So, so thank you guys so much for doing that. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about making room. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you've got your Bible this morning, to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start today. And let's go ahead and set our um, expectation for attention span. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11. The whole chapter right now. We're going to read it through, straight through. I tell you that so you can go get your mind there. Okay, we're going to read through the whole chapter 11. Let's focus. Let's pay attention to it. Here we go. Hebrews 11. Now faith, let me stop. and No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, or through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And if you want to highlight and underline, here's a good one. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
Verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen and reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he con, uh, condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that, was to receive, or that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of, uh, of the same promise. For he was looking forward, pay attention to this verse, verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder was God. Hmm. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Even when she was past the age, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the same line again. Verse 12, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, talking about Abraham, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered, think about this for a second, pay attention, we're talking about Moses in the Old Covenant here, verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ? Huh. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. 
Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Here we go, chapter 12, a couple of verses and we're done. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, meaning since we've got all those people... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Someone say amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I ask that your word, through your spirit, you would do what my words cannot do on their own. God, I ask that you would change hearts today. I ask that you would stir our affections for you. I ask that for those who know you and their affections have waned, that you would stir and flame our affections for you, Lord. And for those who don't know you, I ask that you would open their eyes to see you and find affections for you, God. Um, And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As we have six days left in this year, This is a common time for many of us to do some evaluation, uh, where we're doing introspection, and for good reason. We are about to start a new year. It's a natural time for us to be thinking about looking back and going, okay, what did 2021 look like? For many of us, it was yikes. Uh, For many of us, it, it could have been a wonderful year for you. It could have been a year that had all sorts of ups and downs, but it is a time where by the rhythm of the calendar, we look back and we go, man, what was that? And am I happy with where I am today considering what I was given in this year? And then we start thinking, okay, we've got a new year coming up. We've got 2022 coming in six days, Lord willing. And so then what do I want that year to look like? And of course, there is so much of that that is really just up to the Lord, that we make our plans, Proverbs says, but the Lord directs our paths. And so 
um, there is so much when we look into the next year that still we ought to be going, okay, but what, what do I want to do? What are the changes I don't want to make? This is where the New Year's resolutions come in. And let's all encourage each other really quick. If you have ever made and failed a New Year's resolution, go ahead and encourage the rest of the body of Christ right now by going, me too. I have. Some of you guys are better than me. And a lot of that comes to the fact that we are inspired in this moment, inspired in this season, and we look at the rhythms of the calendar and we go, I'm going to change everything in my life this year. I want to make some differences. I want to I eat better. I want to uh, have better sleeping habits. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to be more present. I want to X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. We start looking at all these things that we want to do. I remember in 2011, um, 2011, I decided I was going to do the entire year with no soda. And I did it. I did it, but like a fool, at midnight, on January 1st, 2012, I treated it as some completed task rather than a new lifestyle, and I went, I did it, and even though I knew it was like the healthiest year of my life, I think I had two headaches that entire year, at midnight, I was like, I did it, I earned a Mountain Dew, this is disgusting. But like an idiot, I reacquired a taste and got back into the habit. And I think that sometimes that's what we do is we just treat things like a task that we check off and we go, I did it, I accomplished it. And although many of us may be making commitments to better health and better finances, hopefully we're looking at this next year and evaluating our faith, evaluating our relationship with God, asking where, where am I at in my relationship with God? A am I happy with where I am? Do, do, do I want more of God? And hopefully, wherever you are in your spiritual maturity, hopefully the answer to the question is, do I want more of God? Hopefully, whoever and wherever you are, whether you're a new believer, whether you've been a believer for a long time and have drifted, or whether you are super dedicated, super faithful, and you're mature and you're growing, no matter who or where you are, hopefully the answer to the question of, do I want more of God? The answer is hopefully yes, always. Because there's never a point. If the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, I have not arrived, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on towards the goal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If Paul could say that, hopefully we could take notes and go, man, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Shame on me if I think I'm good. If I think I've got this, if I think that I've got it figured out, if I think I don't have more room to grow, if I don't have more to press on towards that upwards call of God in Christ Jesus, I'm probably fooling myself. And so hopefully as we begin looking at 2022 and what we hope for in that year, let's stop today and ask ourselves, how much more of God do I want? There's a brilliant theologian who is in eternity now, A.W. Tozer, one, uh, uh, one thing he said one time, it's really simple, not like he made this up, so to speak, but he said, we have as much of God as we actually want. We have as much of God as we actually want. In your life, when you're sitting here thinking, man, I wish I had as much God as this person or this other person that you see or know in your life. Maybe they're in your community group. Maybe you serve with them on a team. Maybe they're a friend of yours. Maybe they're some preacher that you like or admire, whoever it might be that you look at and you go, oh man, I wish... I knew God like them. I wish I had God the way they had God. You have as much of God as you want. 
the only limit to you growing in your relationship with God is your commitment to that relationship. God is not going to look at anybody who's saying, God, I want more of you, and go, eh, no thanks. That's not our father. He's saying, yeah, I've got more. I've got more for you no matter how long you've known me. How much of me you have seen, it don't matter. I've got enough to keep blowing you away for eternity. So come to Papa and get some more. God wants to be closer to you. God wants to know you more, more so. He knows you infinitely. So he wants you to know him more. Because the more we behold him, the more that we look at him, the more we spend time in his word, the more we spend time in prayer, the more we begin looking like him. The more we look at Jesus, the more we look like Jesus. If you want to tweet, there it is. The more we look at Jesus, the more we look like Jesus. The, the question then becomes, am I content with how much of God I have? Am I content where I'm at? Do I go, I, I like this. I'm kind of content with my current spiritual disciplines or my current relationship with God. And the underlying question therein becomes, if you're content with the level of relationship you have with God, do you really have a relationship with God? You cannot taste of the divine and go, I, I'm good. You cannot experience a foretaste of, a, of the glory to come. You cannot have a, a, a measure of the Holy Spirit wherein God comes in and begins working in you and changing you and go, that's enough. And a lot of people think that they have that because they were in a service and they had goosebumps when the band was saying, hitting those downbeats just right, this is how I fight my back. And you get those and you're going, oh yeah. And so many people have, have convinced themselves that they have relationship with God just because they go to church once a week or they had an experience at a service or at a, at a meeting or at a concert or something like that. And they have not borne the fruit of repentance whereby we have been changed, where we look at the sin in our life and go, yeah, I I'm turning away from that. And I'm not talking to you guys about anything that, that is not pointing back at me. We cannot taste, no human can taste the divine experience, a foretaste of the glory to come, a taste of the presence of God, a taste of the Spirit of God, a glimpse of the splendor and majesty of Christ and, and, and come to the conclusion of, meh. Okay. So, so what, what it comes down to is when we look at, okay, how many of us know we should spend more time in Scripture? Like, just like knowing God more, the answer is always yes. No matter how much time, we should spend more than we do now. How many know we should spend more time in prayer than we do now? The answer is always yes. Like, yes, we always should. But here's what we do. I'm going to, and some of you might see this, and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to the oldest illustration in Sunday school, all right? You've probably seen this one before. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I see the head's nodding. I got gotcha. you. That's a good reminder. If this is our day, our week, if this is our life, here's what we tend to do. We go, okay, well, I've got to get the kids ready. Can't, that, that's got to happen. If I don't get the kids ready, they're going to be school late, and it's going to cause all kinds of problems. So I've got to, you know, get them dressed. We've got to make breakfast, get them eating. Um, you know, uh, I've got to take them to school or maybe get them ready to the bus or whatever it might be. Okay, and then after that, I've got to go to work. That's non-negotiable. If I don't work, I don't make money. I can't pay for 
our life, so I've got to go to work, so we've got some phone calls, we've got some meetings here, we've got some tasks, we've got some projects. All right, and this doesn't take up much, so I'm going to just check my feed real quick, check the Facebook, check the Instagram, check the ESPN, check my fantasy football, because those are really just small things, but let's be real, this is really what it ends up looking like. Okay, and then after that, let's see. Uh, I've got to make another phone call throughout the day. All right, and then I've got lunch. Got to eat. If I don't eat, well, then I'm not going to be able to do my job. I'm not going to be able to take care of my kids. I won't be able to do everything I need to do if I don't eat, so got to eat. And then we go back to work, and I've got some more things to do, some more tasks, some more jobs. Oh, I love God, right? Uh, so that means I've got to be spending time in prayer and, and the Word. Um, today's looking pretty full already, so... Uh, I'll, uh, I guess I'll spend a few minutes in the Bible this morning, okay, or this afternoon. Got to make time for that. Okay, uh, but also little Johnny's got soccer, little Susie's got ballet, um, and then uh, I've got to make dinner for the family. Got to pick up the kids for school. Um, I, we've got to get all ready for bed, and then um, prayer. Still, okay, managed to get a little bit of prayer in there, and then communing and relating with the family of God somehow. Oh, shoot. And this is what we do with our lives. We look at all these things in our lives that we feel are important and are important, can be important. But we treat those things as the non-negotiables. And then we go, can we fit God in here? Like the Christmas theme in here a little bit. When we all know what it really should look like. And you get to enjoy me trying to get all this stuff back out of here for a second. We treat all these other things that are important as non-negotiables. When what we ought to be doing in our lives is going non-negotiables. What are the things that I am not going to budge on, not going to negotiate on? I got to have time with the Lord in his word. I got to have time with the Lord in prayer. I got to have time with the people of God. Growing and encouraging and exhorting and fellowshipping. If you have convinced yourself that you can do faith alone, you're not reading the whole Bible. We need each other. Even if we continued reading in Hebrews, we would see the part where it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, because we need to encourage one another, exhort one another while it is today, as the day draws nigh and as the days are evil. And so then, when we have done this, if we go, no matter what, and, and I'm not talking about, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to prioritize these things, put it on your schedule. Go, at such and such time is my time in the Word. I, guys, I'm telling you, this is stuff that I'm being convicted in because I'm in a new season. There's been a couple of new things to do. And, and so juggling that stuff, if I'm not careful, I will let my relationship with God suffer because I'm doing the Lord's work. And so if I don't do this, and, and when I have, I need to repent. We need to repent for not prioritizing the Lord. Living this life of faith where we put God first. We put him in the jar first because then we can go, okay, all right, we did that. Now God's in there. Now we can get the kids ready for school. We can make breakfast. We can get ourselves dressed. We can drop off the kids at school. Uh, we can work. We can do, um, you know, those phone calls, those meetings, those, those projects. We can maybe still fit in soccer and ballet and whatever else. Um, you know, we've got to get ready for bed and for dinner and all this kind of stuff. But now, wait a minute. Uh, I've got some things that don't fit anymore. Oh, no. This is part of it. 
See, we don't have a time problem. We have an affections problem. We don't have a time problem. We have an affections problem. Everybody has the same amount of time in the day. The difference is what we're affectionate about. The difference is what we love. We prioritize according to what we love. And there's another uh, one-liner I heard a pastor say. I can't even remember what pastor I heard. I've heard a lot of pastors in my life through the way I grew up. But I heard a preacher one time say, we say no to things we love to say yes to things we love even more. And so it might be that these things are important or that these are even things that we love. But if they get in the way to where I can't fit in the most important things, then I need to be able to look at my life, step back and go, okay, in 2022, if I want more of God, then that means I have to say less of some other things. In my own life, I'm doing some of this, deleting certain apps off off of my phone that have become time wasters for me. I had to get rid of the ESPN app because it's too easy for me to get enamored with who scored what and, and where's the standings of my team and all that kind of stuff. Social media, man, I once heard John Piper say, social media will serve as an excellent tool for judgment on the day of judgment and that it will, it will, I'm butchering it, but he said basically it will go to show that prayerlessness was not for lack of time that social media will be able to attest that prayerlessness was not for lack of time. Real fun message today. Amen. Good feels. (laughs) I feel so nice and warm and fuzzy today. We say no to things that we love so we can say yes to things we love even more. I used to play a lot more sports than I do right now. I used to have more hobbies than I have right now. I used to love playing Xbox. I don't have an Xbox anymore. I still play golf, but I've stopped playing a lot of the different sports that I played because I've got to recognize, I mean, if I'm going to be a faithful follower of Jesus, if I'm going to be a faithful husband, if I'm going to be a faithful father, then there are things in my life I have to let go of. Otherwise, the non-negotiables and the priorities won't have a place. And so this is where we all need to be looking at our lives and going, man, there are things I love that I don't want to let go of, but what are the things that I love most? And if we don't make room for those, then they'll get pushed aside, they'll get treated as, well, we'll, we'll see how the schedule goes, we'll see how the day goes. Oh man, the day, you know, I meant to spend, I meant to spend this much time in prayer, but this day was crazy. Lord, I know you saw this day, it was cray-cray, so I'm only going to be able to give you this much time today. The danger is that we live in a society that has trained us to to prioritize things that just don't measure up to what ought to be of of first importance to us. We have been taught almost all of our lives to seek first our own kingdoms and let the kingdom of God be a garnish on top. To pursue the American dream while treating the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel mission that we're all on, by treating that, giving... um, as something that we did on that one-time mission trip or something that we let preachers do. See, it's not that we need to become better managers of our time. It's that we need to be better at judging what's worthy of our time. It's not that I need one more to-do app or I need to get better at making checklists or I've got to get better at scheduling or I've got to get better at doing all these things. It's not that we need to get better at managing our time as much as we need to get better at judging what's worthy of our time. Time is the most precious resource that we have ever been given. 
It's kind of like money in that you get money and then you spend it. Or you can save it. Here's where money or time is different, though. Time is given to you. The Lord has determined to give us an allotted amount of time. And when time is given to us, it's gone. We don't get it back. Now, for the person who has been away from the Lord, doesn't know the Lord, the person who comes to faith in Christ, we can see in Scripture that, that God can redeem the lost time, buy it back, so to speak, and do more with the time that we have left than we had with the time that was wasted. But even still, we want to stand before the Lord and go, and we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Every single one of us are going to give an account for what we do with our lives. That's the parable of the talents, where one was given five talents, one was given two, one was given one. And the master came back, and they all gave an account for what they did with what was given to them. Every single one of us one day are going to stand before the Lord where we look at, with God, what we did with the time he gave us. And if, if we're doing all, I, I, man, I'm terrified. I deleted Facebook personally. I got off of there. I'm not telling you you have to or need to. Some of you need to for work, and some it's good for keeping connected and stuff like that, I guess. It's, there's also a real a ton of bad things that come from Facebook and social media in general. But if we think about that day, remember we just read through Hebrews 11, where we read about Abraham and Moses and Noah and Joseph and all these patriarchs and the way that they lived in faith. And there are two main themes when we're reading scripture. What we need to do is we need to read it in context and then step back. And the first thing we need to ask ourselves is what's the main point of what I just read? One thing we like to do is get all caught up in the little bitty weeds of, of a chunk like that. Really, we need to step back and go, what's the main point? Two things that I see from that passage we read in Hebrews 11. One is that all these people lived a life of faith in God. And that faith in God determined the way that they lived, determined the things that they did, the things that they didn't do. We, we read by faith all the things that they did, obeying God, pleasing God. And I'm recalling chapter uh, verse 6 where it said... Uh, and he who, whoever believes, uh, or whoever believes in God must believe first that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then the second thing you see from this passage, when you step back and look at, okay, what's the intent, the purpose th that is trying to be communicated through chapter 11? It's that all these people lived in faith. Why? Because they were looking forward. They didn't receive the promise that they were standing in that day. They were in faith looking forward to a day that they knew was coming. And because they had faith in God, knowing that that day was coming because God is faithful to his promise, they lived that day in a way looking forward to the day that was coming. Where it says that they looked forward to a city whose foundations were built by God said that they were pilgrims in this earth passing through. They were looking forward to a city, a heavenly one. And because they were looking forward to that day, it had significant implications on the way they lived this day. And if we look at 2022, this is an opportunity. We've got six days where I would encourage you, husbands, wives, single people, whomever you might be, listen, it's a great time to stop and go, what do I want next year to look like? Of course, we, we kneel to the sovereignty of God that there are things that are beyond our control. But as much as is in my responsibility as a child of God to prioritize and make time and make sure that I'm putting God first in my life, what do I want my life to look like? What do we want our home, our life to look like? Does it look like saying no to 
XYZ subscription? Do, do we waste too much time binging? Do we waste too much time cheering for our favorite team? Do we waste too much time scrolling? Do we waste too much time on hobbies and, and, and things like that that are good? Listen, I'm not saying those things are sinful. Please don't, please don't feel like I'm condemning you for enjoying or partaking of these things. What is sinful is for us to prioritize those things above God and to let our relationship with God suffer because we're treating those things as if they're the first things. And then we go, okay, and if we can find room, then we'll get God in there. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. We need to cut out time wasters. And we live in a day and age where, again, I'm looking at my own life. I've been talking to my wife about this, about just busyness. Busyness is the enemy of a relationship with God. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, busyness is the enemy of a relationship with God. To have a meaningful relationship beyond, now I lay me down to sleep. To have a meaningful relationship with God beyond, thank you, Father, for this food. Whatever that rhyming prayer is for that one. I never really learned that one. But if we're going to have a meaningful relationship with God whereby we are living by faith, where we are making an eternal impact with our lives, where we can look eagerly forward to that day like those patriarchs, that great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11, it will be because we are a people who are looking forward just like Jesus in chapter 12 where it said, who, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. This means there will be some new paradigms in our lives that we will have to endure some things. This means that we're going to have to learn how to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the right things by faith recognizing that the rewards will be paramount. The rewards of putting God first in your life will be greater than any other priority in your life. We got we to gotta put God before our kids before our hobbies, before our spouses. Uh, there's a great book I'd like to recommend to you if you are a reader or an audio booker. Uh, it's called the, uh, I wrote it down somewhere because I, I forget things up here. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless of Elimination of Hurry. That's a book I'm going through right now. It's really hard to put down and it is confronting and convicting me significantly. How much we, we just are busy and miss what God's wanting to do in our lives, misprioritizing the Lord in our lives. I was going to read another passage of Scripture, another chapter, essentially. <laughs> we don't really have time to go there today. Romans 8, essentially, is what I was going to read. I want to summarize what I was going to get from Romans 8 to you. Romans 8 is a passage that is essentially showing the difference of what it looks like to live by the Spirit, and to live by the flesh. And if we're going to be used by God, if our faith is going to be more than just being good Christian people who do church 
and get our religious check marks, but if we're going to make an eternal impact, if we are going to keep people out of hell and in heaven, if we are going to cause people's, uh, people to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to be because we're prioritizing God, putting him first in our lives, growing in our relationship with him, growing in sensitivity to what he's leading us to do, hearing his voice, uh, be, being led by him, walking in his power. It means we have to say no to some other things. So ask yourself right now, when I stand before God and we look at what I did with my time, how confident am I that he would be pleased with what I did with my time? And listen, if you're hearing me today and you're going, I'm not confident. I feel like I'm not going to hear a good answer. I feel like I have wasted so much time. I have wasted so much time. Listen, I'm not here to condemn you and say shame on you. I'm here to go, me too. The Lord's calling us closer. He's calling us higher. And we see that day coming where we're looking forward to the joy set before us seeing Jesus Christ face to face and worshiping him for eternity. And because that's the day we're looking forward to, we need to let that have implications of priority on our lives today. So I'm not condemning you. I'm not guilting you and shaming you. I'm inviting all of us to repent, to go, if I have not prioritized the Lord, if I have not put him first, repentance is going, I'm changing. Lord, help me. This is where we need to say, Lord, help me. I can't do this on my own. Repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, meaning change your mind. Meta, change, noia, your knowledge, your thinking, change the way you think. Repentance is going, that's how I used to be. Lord, help me turn from that and walk a new path. I'm not asking and, and challenging and inviting you into something that I'm not confronting myself with. I want next year to look different from me. I want next year to look different for my marriage. I want next year to look different for my family. I want next year to look different for our church. I want next year to look different for our relationships. I want next year to look different for our jobs, our, our community, everything that God has for us in the next year that we don't even know about. But what we do know is we can put him first and then be blown away by what he does when we do. Be blown away by what God does in us and through us when we put him first first. I'm going to read those last verses of chapter 12 of Hebrews one more time. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. If you're running a race, what are the things that are weighing you down? That doesn't even necessarily mean sinful things, but what are things that I can cast off so that I can run faster for the Lord and do more for him? Laying aside every weight and sin. Yeah, absolutely. Every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're not doing this without an example. He says here, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand the throne on high. We don't have this call without an example. 
we get to look at Jesus who often woke up early before the sun was even up to go and spend time with his father in prayer. We have the model of Jesus who when he was tempted, obviously had the word of God in him to where he was ready to answer and say, "Uh uh-uh, it is written. And man, if we can follow that example, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and, and getting away to pray and spend time with the Lord and put the word of God in us and be ready to say, no, 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 I'm not gonna believe that lie, it is written. I'm not gonna buy into that deceptive ideology, it is written. Man, what's God gonna do in our lives? Do in us and through us, growing in our relationship with him. Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I ask that you would call all of us, not, 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 we know your word says that there's no con- condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, God, I ask today that you would not let this be a, a, a guilt trip, not let this be condemnation, uh, but, Lord, the, that this would be a sweet invitation to say, hey, I, I want to know you. I want you closer. And, God, I ask that you would, by your grace, empower all of us to draw closer, to prioritize you, to evaluate our lives and go, what can I say no to so I can say yes to you? It's going to look different for all of us. Lord, I ask that you would, 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 would show clearly each person what it looks like for them in their context, in their life, in their marriage, in their family, in their jobs, in their hobbies. Lord, I ask you to help us all evaluate so that we can look at this next year and give it to you and put you first and see the fruit of such decisions, God. Not for the sake that we could be super impressive spiritually. All of this ultimately, Lord, is just so we can know you. We want to know you more. We want you more, Lord. And I ask you to stir all of our affections, our desire for you, for your word, for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.